Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. Let's begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord our God, I love you. I thank you and I praise you that you reach out to us first, that you make yourself known to us, that you're not hiding, that you come out into the open and you speak to us words of love, words of life. Lord, I ask that you would give us the good gifts that we need to be able to um, recognize and respond to you. We want to we wanna believe in you more fully. So Lord, help us to be able to do that today. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I got several stories to share about um, recent happenings in the current household that the common theme is going to be growing in faith. How do I help my kids grow in faith? How do I, myself, grow in faith? What do I do when I'm working and walking with people? And the dimension of faith gets involved. Okay, when I say the dimension of faith gets involved, I, I mean a, a couple of different things. Um, I'm going to start, though, with, I'm going to build I'm going to build it. I'm going to build it based on the understanding of faith, the theology of faith, that has been unfolded over the course of 2,000 years in the Catholic Church. Okay, it's, this, is, this is not complete. <laughs> this is not complete. But hopefully it, it will be sufficient, sufficient to help us to grow in faith. Now, when I say grow in faith, I'm referring to the way that the Church theologically has reflected on the gift of faith as uh, using three Latin phrases, credere deum, credere deo, and credere in deum. Those are three different levels of faith. And they, they grow, they, they build off each other. And by reflecting on the, these three levels of faith, um, we can stop and ponder and say, how is that showing up in, in this part of my life? How is that showing up in our, in our home, in our family? So I'm going to make sure that as you listen to this program, you're going to be able to reflect on your life, your family's life, your situation, in a way that is linked to this level of faith, and in a way that says, here's how I can grow in that level of faith, okay? That's my commitment to you. So let's get started. Let's start with the idea of credere deo, credere deum, sorry, to believe that God exists. That's a, that's a simple way of saying this is the rudimentary level of faith. This is the foundational level of faith. Aquinas says that the faith that justifies us before God, this foundational level of faith by which we are justified, we are righteous, we, we are alive with that gift of faith in our hearts coming alive, is that we believe that God exists and we believe that God is provident. God is our good shepherd. He's shepherding us. He's shepherding our family. He's shepherding this whole world from beginning to end, from creation to new creation. So the Lord is present and is active in not only this world, but in your life. So let's be concrete. You know, if you've been listening to the program over the last eight months, I've been consciously, intentionally helping people with the act of uh, buying and selling homes in the last almost three years now, since Carrie and I moved here, we've also been walking with families in terms of their own, here's the word now, discernment regarding their families, regarding living, jobs, schooling, parishes. What are we to do? And if you want to dig down at the basis of all of this, one of the things that families are seeking, one of the things that husbands and wives, mothers and fathers, people who are making decisions about something as radical as moving, what they are seeking is a sense of confidence that God is involved in the decision, that somehow this decision isn't being done apart from God. Apart from God, does he have a will, a plan? How is God involved in this whole process. And so, for instance, when, when I'm working with folks, we'll start with a prayer. And if they want to dive right in and start talking about something, I'll say, would it be okay if we just prayed first? 
And and then there's this, oh yeah. And then there's the, ah, okay, right, yes. Of course, I want to be sure that our conversation is being done in the light of faith, in the light of a fundamental belief that the living God sees what's happening here and that he has a purpose and a plan and that he is a provident God. He provides and he is going to provide for you what you need to be able to move in the direction that he intends. And, okay, I didn't say you are going to achieve crystal clarity about what it is you ought to do. In fact, just today, when I was meeting with someone earlier in the day, this I'm recording this on Monday night, um, one of the things that um, our conversation led to was, well, I just want to make sure I'm, I'm clear. And I said, well, just be careful, because in the I didn't say it this way. In the theology of discernment in the Catholic history, in the history of the Catholic Church, clarity doesn't always come before action, but clarity comes as you take action. And so I, I, I basically pulled off the theology of discernment part of it, and I just said, you know, sometimes the clarity that you seek is only going to come if you start taking actions to move in a direction that you want to make sure you're clear about before you move in that direction? And the answer is, it's through action that discernment gets clearer. And it doesn't mean that you go all in and say, okay, well, let's put the house on the market, for instance, or whatever. But rather it's, well, no, let's start acting like that's happening. Let's start moving towards that direction. And then let's see what comes next. Let's see if there is further light that comes from doing that. And so experiencing God's providential care, experiencing the truth. Okay, did you hear? I used two different things, experience and truth. Because the truth that we believe, the the truth that we are taught in our faith is not something that just remains as a free-floating, abstract idea outside the realm of our daily concerns. No, 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 this truth is meant to penetrate to the core of what it is that we're experiencing. One of the beautiful passages of Scripture that I utilize when I'm talking with folks about the, this level of faith, this level of, of, I believe there is a God, this God exists, and I believe this God is provident. This God is my good shepherd, and will shepherd me forth from the situation that I'm in. The passage is from Exodus chapter 3, Moses in the burning bush. You know the story. And, and you probably remember the first part of the, uh, of the message of the word that God spoke to Moses from the burning bush. And it's that I am who am. Right? So... Come no nearer your unholy ground, take off your sandals, and then I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham. I am who am. That's my name, right? Um, but there was a message that the Lord spoke to Moses that was, if you will, the, um, the, 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 the place where the truth met life, where, yes, this is who it is that's speaking to you. It's God. I am who am. Yahweh. But this God revealed himself because his people were in slavery in Egypt. And he chose to speak to Moses because he had a mission for Moses. He had a purpose, a call, a plan for Moses. That Moses was going to be an instrument of God's plan, an instrument by which God would fulfill his providential care for his people. Just stop and think about that. That is so powerful to think that Moses was, okay, let me be careful here, needed, put that in quotes. He was needed by God. That when he created Moses and had him go through the the journey of life that he went through, 
all the way now he is 40 years removed from his time in Egypt, um, being raised in the Pharaoh's household. He was this shepherd, you know, taking care of the sheep as a shepherd. All of a sudden, God speaks to him and says, now's the time. I got my mission. I got my plan. Go. And, and this, these were the words. The words. Listen to the words. I have witnessed the affliction of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cry of complaint against their slave drivers. So I know well what they are suffering. Therefore, I've come down to rescue them from the hands of the Egyptians and lead them out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. There's the message. There's where the truth meets life. This is where the truth that this is who the, uh, the, the, the true and only God is, Yahweh, who's revealed himself. But this true and only God has revealed himself because his people he intends to set free. And did you hear what it was that Moses was going to bring? It was a message that says, you are seen, you are named, you are known. You are cared for, and there's a providential care that is going to set you free from suffering, from the cries, from the slavery, and God has a good plan for your life. Did you hear that? I want you to hear that because if you are going to be a type of Moses in your life, did you hear that? Well, wouldn't that be amazing that I'm talking to folks who, whom God is also raising up in his time and in his way. You might feel like, oh, I'm far beyond that age. No, no. You might be the Moses for your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. You might be the Moses for your spouse, your husband, your children. You might be the Moses for your parents, your siblings, the one chosen by God at the appointed time to be the instrument that says, God sees you. God knows you. Okay, let me go back to the passage again and make it more personal for you. Okay, now this is verse 6. He says, okay, and this is personal for you because you have to hear it personally yourself first before it's going to be powerful when you bring it to others. The Lord is saying to you, dear brothers and sisters who hear my voice right now, I have witnessed your affliction where you live. I have heard your cry of complaint against those who are driving you into darkness, into hurtful places, into broken situations. I know well what you are suffering. And therefore, I'm coming to rescue you from the hands of your captors. And I'm going to lead you out of that place of captivity into a good and spacious land, into a land flowing with milk and honey, into a place of abundance. This is what I have for you. For I am the living God, and I see you, I know you, and I'm coming. I am a provident God, and I'm coming to set you free. That, that's the gospel, my brothers and sisters. Jesus is what? He's the revelation of the Father. He is the kingdom come. He is the one who says, I've come to set my people free. I've come to save them, to rescue them, to unbind them, to set them free, to raise them from death to life. And you have to know that if you're going to be a Moses for others. You are intended by the Lord to know that. He wants you to be set free because he loves you. He wants you to know that your sufferings are known. He wants you to know that your secret cries, your secret tears are not secret to him. They're visible. He knows the, the trauma that you've endured. He knows the brokenness that clings to you. He knows the anxiety and the fear, the doubts and the confusion. He knows those situations for which you have lost hope. He knows all of these things. But the first level of faith is that he's a provident God. He's a God who provides shepherding care to our lives. Welcome the Lord's shepherding care for your life. Turn to him and cry out to him that his shepherding care would be real for you.
would be experienced by you right now. You will not be a useful instrument to him unless you allow him to shepherd you on that path first. You can't give what you don't have. Okay, so coming back to the theme of today, where I left off just before the break was around this reality that God intends you to know that he is the living God for you. I gave a bit of an exhortation just before, a a clarion call, a a heart's cry, that um, the Lord does intend you to know and experience this sense that he sees you and he loves you and he's taking care of you. God the Father so desires to be better known by you that you'd actually experience his loving care, his tender his tender mercies, that when you've fallen short, when you've settled for less, when you hold back, when you feel shamed as a result of your own, own sins, out of weakness or willfulness, whatever, that he's there and he's beckoning you home. He loves you. He loves you and he wants you to experience that love Not just a concept, but to know it, to encounter it. It makes all the difference. It made all the difference to the Israelites in Egypt. So remember now in Exodus 3, and at the beginning of chapter 6, you have this powerful verse that in verse 7, you know, I've witnessed these things. I've heard your cry. I'm coming to do something about it. This was the message that Moses heard and was supposed to deliver. Well, he does deliver it. He delivers it at the end of chapter 4. At the end of chapter 4, Moses and Aaron, they go to Egypt and they gather all of the elders of the Israelites. And remember now, Aaron went with Moses because Moses was reluctant. Even though he had this incredible encounter, he still was like, I don't know how to speak, I'm going to stutter. Uh, and, well, what do you mean you're going to give me Aaron? Well, I just don't want to go. <laughs> just pick someone else. Pick someone else. No, you. this is your call. This is you. And so he goes, and Aaron goes with him. The Lord gives him the support he needs. And so they go and they gather the leaders. And part of what they were told to do was to perform two signs. And these signs um, come to be talked about in fundamental theology as signs of credibility. Signs of credibility. Why would you believe a message as coming from God? What are the signs of credibility? Signs that these are are, are authentic. These are Uh, have the authority that are being claimed for the message that's being brought. You don't just accept anybody's word who shows up and says, I have a message from God. You just don't. So here's Moses and Aaron showing up saying, we have a message from the God of Israel, your God, the true God, the one God. He sent us to talk to you. So there are these two signs of credibility that are given. And so One is that there's a staff that Moses has, and when he throws the staff on the ground, um, what happens is the staff turns into a serpent, and then when he picks it back up again, it turns back into a staff. The other sign is that Moses takes his hand and puts it into his cloak, and when he takes it out, it's leprous. It has all the signs of leprosy. And then he puts it back in his cloak and he pulls it back out and it's clean again. So these are signs, they're wonders, they're attention grabbers that when someone who can perform that, well, that means that you better be paying attention to their message. And in fact, this is what it said here is that um, when he performed the signs before the people, the people believed They believed. So we accept that you have come from God and that you have a message that comes from God. We accept that. Well, listen to the rest of this verse. It's 431, chapter 431 in in Exodus. And when they heard that the Lord 
was concerned about them and had seen their affliction, they bowed down in worship. When they heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their affliction, they bowed down in worship. Okay, what do you want from your kids? What do you want from your spouse, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, your sibling, your parents? Do you want them to believe? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, there are so many Catholics today who say they believe. And the level of belief that they have is at that rudimentary foundational level. I accept that there is a God that created all things. But it's the belief in a God as a concept. Belief in God as a concept. And this is where Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI comes in. He, as a theologian, so before he became Pope, said that God is either a concept or he is the living God. And if he is, he will either be the true God, is either the living God, or he is not God at all. And so here he is pointing out the fact that for many, many Catholics, our belief in God really doesn't go much further than the acceptance of the proposition as true that the source of all that exists is God. But when it comes to the, like, digging that out, going further into that, well, do you know this God? Does this God know you? Does this God have a purpose and a plan for your life? The way that I used to uh, question folks around this was, are you content with your relationship with God? Are you content with your relationship with God? Are you happy with it? And the typical answer is, yeah, maybe it could be better, but I'm content. And uh, then the second question comes in, and, and they're not as happy with this question. <laughs> the second question is, is God content with his relationship with you? Ouch. Is God content with his relationship with you? And that reverses things, doesn't it? You hear that kind of question, you're like, whoa, wait a minute. Because on the one hand, if we're tempted to say, uh, out of a sense of like a lack of real awareness, Oh yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm perfectly content with my relationship with God. I'm perfectly content with the part that God is playing in my life. I believe there's a God and yeah, totally fine. It is much harder. It's a bigger stretch to then have people end up saying yes to the second question. Well, is God content with his relationship with you? And I, I don't know if I've ever met anybody who's answered that question, yes. I think that they either are stumped by the question, like I've never thought about that, and because it puts into question the idea that God is not just a concept to be accepted in my mind, that there's a relationship that is intended here, and a relationship, there's a two-way quality to it. That means there's communication. That means there's sharing. That means there's a sense of nearness. That means there's a sense of knowing and being known. All of these things that are connected to the reality of a relationship. Wait a minute. Is that what is that what is happening in my life as it concerns God? Am I getting to go know God better every day? Is God getting to know me better every day? Am I spending time to understand more about God's nature? More about God's attributes? More about what God actually does expect of me? It, that there, there is a, a certain way of life. There's a certain way of worship 
There's a certain way of belief. Am I content with my relationship with God? Even though I'm tempted to say yes to that, I'm, it's going to be a lot slower to say, yeah, I'm, I'm really convinced that God is happy with his relationship with me. No. Then it leads to the next question. If, if the honest answer of no shows up, and that is, are you willing to do something about it? Are you willing to do something about it? And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, goodness. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is where truth meets life. This is where there are entailments in believing certain things. There are therefores. There are necessary uh, follow, uh, follow-throughs that come from, and necessary implications that follow from what it is we believe. So to say, um, to say that, yes, I accept that I'm, I'm no, if I actually say I'm willing to do something about it, then now, now I'm committed. Like, what do I do about it? And this then leads to the last question Are you willing to let God do something about it? Are you willing to let God do something about it? And that once again flips things on their head for so many people because it stops and says, wait a minute, if I'm going to be willing to let God do something about it, not only does God know me because there's a sense of he wants more from my life, but wait a minute, now there are things that God can do about that. It's not just me having to approach him. No, wait a minute. It's about me permitting him to draw close to me. Me permitting him to come into my life in the way that he wants. All of a sudden now, God is no longer a, a relationship that is orbiting around the edge of my life and I fit him in in a few moments of prayer, morning and night, and maybe at special moments in the day, at best, and Sundays, and, and but wait a minute now, no, no, it, the relationship is is not around the orbiting around the fringes. No, this relationship's coming closer. Wait a minute, closer than what? Closer than my relationship with my boss, my best friends, my children, my spouse. What about with myself? What is the first and most important relationship in my life? And who is the first and most important person in my life? Is the Lord and his reputation more important to me than my own life? What, what really is the most important reality in my life? Is God the preeminent reality in my life? Is, is my relationship with the Lord the most important thing in my life. If I don't have that relationship in good order, if I'm not doing what I ought to nurture, promote, advance, and and grow in that relationship, then my life is off. It's off in some way. Somehow I'm settling for less. Whoa, hey, hold on a minute. Oh, by the way, this is still the first level of faith. (laughs) The first level of faith is believing that God exists. Yes, we've seen the signs. We look around. We see signs of credibility in the assertion that it, there is a God and that this God is provident, that this God actually does see my situation, see the situation that my family's in, sees the situation that my community is in, the parish, the church, the, the country, the world, he, yes, he does. And he's doing something about it. He has a providential care for this world. But you know what? So what if you don't know that he has a care uh, for the world if you don't realize that he has a care for you? So what if, you, I mean, sorry, big deal if you realize and accept and believe that God has a providential care for the whole world and the whole sweep of history. But what he wants you to know concretely, specifically, most importantly, is that he has a care for you and what you're going through. And to reach out to the Lord on that basis, it just changes everything. When you know that 
And that's what, that's what faith is. Faith is a light. Faith is not in the dark. Faith is a light. And it's a light that says, I know that my Redeemer lives. I know that He cares for me. And though it's dark, though the valley is really dark, though I'm suffering greatly, I know that I'm not alone. I know that I haven't been abandoned. I know that He's taking care of me and that He will see me through. That's the first level of faith. When we come back, we're going to dig in further to these levels of faith on Sound Insight. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. Today I'm reflecting on the gift of faith, the nature of faith, growing in faith for you and for your loved ones. Uh, And loved ones, again, can just cast that in any direction as wide as you'd like, that the Lord, if we're going to be fruitfully used by him in the life that he's planted us here to live, needs us to grow in faith. And to grow in faith is to grow in a more personal, intimate, profound, life-giving relationship with God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's what he intends for us. And we live that relationship through faith, hope, and love. Today I'm just talking about faith. Just talking about faith, and I've only talked about the first level of faith, credere deum, to believe that God exists and that God is providence. St. Thomas Aquinas says, that's the faith that justifies. That's the first level of faith. That's the level of faith that God requires of a just man. Uh, that's uh, Roman, sorry, Hebrews 11.6. Okay, so the second level of faith is believing things about God, credere deo. What we believe about God really matters. How can you grow in your own love of the Lord if you don't know who the Lord is that you're loving? Of course, right? Uh, the more you know God, the more you know, I mean, the more you know about God, the more deeply you know God. The more you know about Jesus, the more deeply you can know Jesus. And the more you know Jesus in that relationship, the more you will love Jesus. You've all heard that before, right? There's the Intimate connection between the mind and the heart. In our tradition, the one way of describing the relationship between the mind and the heart is that there's the descent of the mind into the heart. That that was 18 inches between the head and the heart, the longest distance to travel. And, and you know what? There is a temptation. The temptation is to think that I'm a faithful Catholic if what I do is study correct propositions that are connected to the magisterium of the church, the official teaching of the church. If I can speak out loud what the church teaches in matters of theology and morality, then I have conquered that second level of faith. I believe things about God. I believe, well, what the church teaches. And therefore, I've plumbed the depths of that second level of faith. No, you have not. No, that, in fact, that is... It's often a temptation to a kind of intellectual attempt to master the faith, to master the truths of the faith through our own intellectual undertaking. And trust me, I get this. I have a PhD in systematic theology, and it is a constant temptation for those who have intellectual giftings to think that they can play to their strength, study the faith deeply, and therefore think that because I not only know the teaching of the church, I have explanations, apologetic explanations, catechetical explanations, historical explanations, biblical references, uh, uh, and, and even can draw out a sense of um, where these teachings are uh, connected to uh, falsifications and heresies, that somehow that uh, fulfills the second level of faith. I'm believing things about God. It doesn't. Are, are those things important? Yeah. Are they helpful? Yeah. Do Can they become one-sided and can lead us away from what? Well, away from the relationship. Away from the sense of the Lord drawing near. Does knowing the Lord lead to deeper devotion to the Lord? A deeper, more intimate and tender love of the Lord. Greater awe and wonder before the mystery of God. Those are the things that would be beautiful fruits of the second level of faith. 
the more that I know him, the more that I long to know him. The more that I love him, the more that I realize how small my love is for him. I come to realize in the brightness of the truth of our faith how little I know. The mystery increases as it becomes known. Right? All of those beautiful insights that come from our tradition about the study of theology, that it is meant to operate within the relationship, and it's meant to help develop our relationship with God as Father, with God the Son, and with God the Holy Spirit. This is one of those things that I know is happening right now in my own family, is that we're focusing on growing in a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. And a great way to do that is by understanding the theology of the Holy Spirit, the theology of the gifts of the Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit, the different virtues, and understanding how the Holy Spirit is going to uh, have grace build on nature, how the Holy Spirit dwells within, how the Holy Spirit is at work in us in, in, in acts of discernment, and, and how do you get a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit? How about loving the Holy Spirit, yearning for the Holy Spirit, and allowing the Holy Spirit to yearn in us for the redemption of our body, our bodies, and for the redemption of the body of Christ? All of these beautiful ways that, and then how about yielding to the Holy Spirit? who will move with more power in our lives, unleash new gifts and graces in our lives. Holy cow, all of a sudden, theology leads to more powerful expressions of mission in our own lives. There's a sign of going deeper theologically, is that there's a greater outflow in missionary activity. So I bring that before you just to say, that the second level of faith, this level of faith that says that the provident God who sees you, who knows you, and is coming to set you free, is also the God that wants you to get to know him better and wants you to know that you can become known by him more and more deeply and intimately in prayer. That that relationship can go deeper. We had a beautiful time as a family where we um, invited the Holy Spirit to move in the, in, the, in the moment of our family being together in prayer. So this was really cool. This happened on, let's see, it happened on Sunday. And um, what happened was we uh, were gathering, instead of just having normal family prayer, our daughter Mary Grace was back. And I mentioned on Friday um, with Kerry about the idea of listening for God to speak, that the Lord will speak his word. And he speaks his word as we discern in the word. So we had all of the kids get Bibles. And I did the, I said a prayer, did the quickest of little explanations on the idea that the living the Lord is with us. His Holy Spirit dwells within us. And if we are reverent and we ask him, speak, Lord, your servant is listening, that he'll operate through the gifts that he's given to us. The Holy Spirit will begin to move through the gifts he's given to us so that we can come to discern, we can come to recognize and begin to attempt to name and articulate a word that the Lord wants someone else to hear. And so it was, it was really powerful. Now, all my kids weren't kneeling and they didn't have like white glowing glory of God light shining from their faces. That was not what happened. There was some hemming and hawing at the beginning, but it was beautiful. It was powerful. Um, it, was, it was something that had connected back to these quiet times that we had done for years, just uh, more than a decade of having the kids sit quiet, learn how to be contemplative and be open and receptive in that contemplative stance that the Lord who's present is going to speak and that they had the task of attempting to name the answer to the question, what is Jesus saying to you right now? What's the Lord Jesus who's here, present? What's he saying to you right now? You don't have to claim that you heard a voice. Just in your own best sense, just say, here's what I think Jesus is saying. It might be a word. It might be a picture. It might be an image. It might be a scripture. And so 
we had done that for years and years with the kids. And now we put the Bible in their hands and said, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. There might be a scripture that comes to mind or open the scriptures as you feel drawn and just read. And if there's something that strikes you for someone else in the room, share that. And that's what happened. And so at the, at the beginning, there was just this sense of saying, you know, I got this scripture from, you know, uh, Isaiah uh, chapter 5, verse 17. And that wasn't it. But uh, I was trying to find the, the I took notes on all of the, the words that were given. But I think Carrie ripped them out of my notebook. <laughs> Somebody did, uh, either Mary Grace or Carrie did. I was going to share some of them with you all. Oh, it was really powerful. Uh, Mary Grace was like, she got a word from her brother, John Luke, said, hey, here's a scripture that I have for you. She read it and she's like, you have no idea what this meant. God knows. It was literally one year ago today when something happened and this was the word that God gave me then. And it spoke to me so powerfully and you just spoke it back to me. That was a prophetic word from God that God gave to my daughter through my son. And that's just one example. I have a dozen examples that came from that time together praying as a family. And um, when I come back, I, w- I want to just I'll, I'll kind of wrap up that story and continue moving forward today on Sound Insight. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Kearns. Great to be with you today. So, I'm um, sorry, I'm um, <laughs> uh, want to finish up this story of praying as a family. And I, I don't want when you hear this story to get like, oh, that could never happen in my family. No, you can do this. You can. If it's something that feels awkward to you to immediately bring to your family, what am I going to say to do? Try it yourself. Build up a fund of experience doing it yourself. Meaning that you take the Bible or if you want to get some kind of other grounding that would be scriptural where you're in a listening mode to the Lord, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. By the way, that comes from Samuel in the temple asleep and the Lord comes to speak to him in the middle of the night. He thinks it's the priest Eli. He goes to Eli, says, here I am. You called me. No, I didn't. Go back to sleep. And after the third time, here is Samuel continuing to think that it's Eli that is calling him. Eli says, no, it's the Lord who's calling out to you. Say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So it's based on a scriptural idea that the Lord takes the initiative in approaching us and in communicating to us. Okay, wrap your mind around that. That the God of the universe, the eternal God, the almighty, infinite God, is going to communicate to you today. Wow. In this prayer time, he's that near. His care is that particular peculiar, individual, personal. It's for you. And he will communicate to you in a way that you will know that he has communicated to you. That's the second level of faith. The second level of faith is saying, I believe what the church teaches me in the scriptures, in our tradition, in the lives of the saints, in the liturgy, in prayer. All of this is telling me and teaching me what I am called upon myself to experience. That the Lord not only sees and loves and is going to set free in a providential way, but is going to communicate. He's going to communicate to me, in me, and through me. To me, in me, and through me. You can grow in all of those. You can grow in all of those. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Try it today. Try it. If you don't have a Bible, you, I know you have a smartphone. And in that smartphone, you can open up an app, Divine Office app. You can op- go to usccb.org, Bible reading of the day. There's a thousand different 
healthy resources that you can lean on to get access to a Bible if you don't have one. If you ha- if you don't have one, get one. Get to your good local Catholic bookstore. Get a good Catholic Bible. Get a Magnificat or some other daily Bible reading uh, guide. All that stuff's available online. Or if you want to up your game, get the Liturgy of the Hours. The Lord speaks to me so beautifully, so concretely, so personally on a daily basis through the Liturgy of the Hours. Liturgy of the Hours, the divine office. You can get a single volume, or and that's probably a great place to start, or you can get the four volumes once you're all in. Um, and so you'll be able to pray the prayers of the church at the different hours of the day, or even just at certain hours of the day that fit. And I got to tell you, it's like I barely will get through the different um, hours of the day. I, I've been focused on the Invitatory Psalm and the Office of Readings, which is the first, the first prayer and the first hours to pray. And um, that's all I get through in my prayer time. Because the Lord is, this is a living word. It's a living word. And so when the living God who sees me, knows me, and loves me, he's awaiting me in prayer. And I open myself to him and I cry out, Lord, just have mercy on me because I'm deaf. I, I can't hear you. Please speak to me. Please break through my deafness and speak to me through your word. I long to hear you today. And, and I want to hear it in a fresh word for right now. What's the right now word for me, Lord? And it's so beautiful. I got to tell you, often I'm like, man, this should just go on the radio. Um, like what I'm sensing in that moment. And uh, you don't need to, but get a journal if that's something that you're willing to grow in because you can use that as a place to record the best sense of what the Lord is saying to you. Okay, as you begin to experience this yourself, you are going to come to a whole new way of seeing your life that all of a sudden God becomes more easily acknowledged as the center of your life, the center, because he's communicating to you. And guess what? You can communicate back. And you know what? When you pray, when you set aside time, when you hold and reserve time, when you come apart from other things and you just focus on the Lord in prayer, guess what happens? It overflows into the rest of your day. It overflows into the rest of your day, where all of a sudden, what happens next? Well, I begin to sense the Lord's presence and communication beyond prayer in my communication with others. Begin to have a sensitivity to, wait a minute, what's happening there right now? What am I supposed to say? What am I supposed to not say? Am I supposed to step in? Am I supposed to step back? All of a sudden, there becomes a greater sensitivity and awareness that the living Lord is with me in my day and he's at work within me and that the providential care of my father is taking care of all of this. And all of a sudden, you can begin to sense, okay, I'm, I'm forcing it here. I shouldn't force it. I shouldn't make that phone call. I shouldn't send that email. I should step back. Don't go there. That becomes much more refined over time in the day-to-day stuff. So all of a sudden, this reality that God's the living God is the God who's accompanying me in the... In the, in, the, in the details. But then there becomes the bigger promptings. Um, honor me in the big things. Are you getting to Mass today? Why didn't you get to Mass today? What's your ra- you rationalized again. You know that. Do you realize how much, how you've suffered loss because you didn't go and pray? You didn't go to Mass? Put me first. Make sure that you don't lose me because of the other things happening in your life. Right? Wow, all of a sudden, the awareness of my need to repent, my need to be intentional, my need to be determined, all of these things grow from what? The sensitivity in prayer that the Lord is communicating. He's communicating in his word. So when you experience that yourself, then I encourage you to do that with your wife or your husband. Take it to that next level or do it in a group, a group of men. Learn to hear God's word. Learn to spend time in the word and to speak together from that word. It's not a Bible study. It's about learning to share 
around God's Word. And there could be elements of study in it, for sure. But time to fellowship around God's Word and let the Lord speak to you, so powerful, life-changing. It was something that um, was part of my life shortly after my conversion as a um, was 18 and a half year old, 19 year old, 18 and a half year old. Uh, I'd get together with my young adult friends and we'd read the scriptures together. And then when I entered the seminary, it was life-changing when I was in Rome. Uh, and Father Pat Smith, the priest who married Carrie and me, we would get together once a week on our evening off, Wednesday evenings. We had no school on Thursday. We used Wednesday evenings and we would read scriptures together for two and a half, three hours. And we would end up talking only about a couple of verses of scripture. And it was so powerful. We would just say, I can't believe it. This time flies by. And we only went through a couple of verses and it was our night off. And it was like our best night. And it was easy to make that sacrifice because I had a brother in the Lord willing to do that. And, and I remember saying, I will never stop doing this. Sadly, I have. I will never forget how powerful this is right now. And I have. We can float away from those things. And so, um, but when we, when we do this and we build up that fund of experience, and all of a sudden we can start to do that with our family. You can start doing that with your kids. Can you imagine taking time to seek the Lord together with your kids in his word and share scriptures together? So powerful. That's the second level of faith. I didn't even get to the third level of faith, the most profound level, darn it. And that's believing in God. Well, you know what that means. Tomorrow. (laughs) There's not always going to be a tomorrow, but I hope there's a tomorrow. So I can dig further into the deepest level of faith, the level of believing in God, trusting and then trusting oneself to God. Well, there we go. Really wanting to help you grow in faith and help your loved ones grow in faith as well. I hope this program was a blessing in that regard. All right, God bless your day. Please join me tomorrow for more Sound Insight.